Hello there, and welcome to the Ask Time Film Podcast, where we talk film, TV, games, and all that jazz like there's no tomorrow. This week, finally, after weeks, after months, after years of waiting, we are talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, John. Yay! Oh, uh, uh, wow. We, we, we have finally watched it. Uh, no we Way have. Home. <laughs> yes, uh, we have. Uh, what's the title uh, of this video going to be? I don't know. I mean, right. Let's let's just let's just get straight into it. If I were to okay. if I were to if I were to give one word to which you know to describe No Way Home, and I guess this would be the title, promising. I think this is really really promising for the future for for everything. Yeah, and ah, uh, yeah, yeah, promising. That's the one word that's going to be today. Yeah, I and mean, we, we we spent all of last week you know just gushing i mean it wasn't really gushing ranting about you know how disappointed we are of mcu spider-man but i can i can i can definitively say tom holland is spider-man and i'm happy like for once i am genuinely happy with an mcu spider-man thing full spoilers ahead if you haven't seen it already massive spoilers huge huge (laughs) Um, It's, it's getting a bit out of control really um, yeah. Honestly, if you go on Twitter, all you'll see is spoilers. I didn't get spoiled. I stayed off the internet for about a week. I don't know how I haven't got even, you know, spoiled from anything really. I was just like walking around in college, and I saw people like gathering around, and and then one person like, "Yo, did you see Spider Man?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll just walk away." And then uh, that happened in my. I was hanging out with my friends, and they were like, "Oh, did you see Spider Man?" I was like, "Oh, no, no, no." I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So they just kept it spoiler free. And then I was like, oh my God. So there's a lot of surprises in this film. Yeah, let's let's just kind of go through. So like, I mean, where where do you start with this film? Uh, I have no uh, idea. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start where the film does. Peter Parker, you know, his identity is out. He's been he's an outed a murderer. And immediately it was good to explore the consequences of something so big. I talked last video about how consequences is something that I wish they they delved into a bit more in these films. Even though they didn't explore this as much as I hoped, the fact that they explore it on, on the personal uh-huh. level with the MIT rejection, I think was a really interesting way to, you know, kind of, you know, do this storyline. It was interesting, actually, exploring the consequences of your identity being shown to the public and getting to Peter Parker's uh, personal life. I thought that was showing, you know, a little bit of growth to Spider-Man. You know, I mean, like at the start, he was like, eh. It's nothing too big. Yeah, I remember him him saying that. But then, you know, throughout the film, I think that was an interesting art to see that. There's definitely that ongoing thread throughout the film. This 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 reoccurring motif of you've got to choose. You can't be juggling these two lives. And I think that is really refreshing. You know, the MCU has, hasn't really been dealing with that. Most people in Peter's life know who he is. The tensions and the conflict that you get with the whole identity storyline, they haven't really explored yet. But I think that this was a really, really interesting way to do it with like the constant harassment that Peter gets throughout the film. I think that's really cool. I guess it is a shame. I would have liked to see some kind of legal ramifications, you know, something kind of like, you know, some kind of like kind of courtroom thing and like you know this plot line with the legal stuff it's resolved almost immediately and yeah i mean hey it was really cool to see matt murdoch charlie oh Cox yeah come back to play matt murdoch that was so cool but um, like that plot line was kind of just you know fleeting 
was another sad thing that I wish Matt Murdock could help out do at the film, I guess. But it was really cool. People seen Matt Murdock fully in the MCU right now as Kevin Feige announced, was it a couple weeks ago or a week ago? I don't know. Where yeah, I think it was a week ago. Yeah, when Daredevil is coming back. Well, you know, I, was, you know, I think I was the only one. I was the only one in the cinema. I was like, oh, it's, it's him. It's him. Yeah. Uh, and my dad was like, what? <laughs> I've, yeah. I've gushed about Daredevil on the pod before, but like I was sat there with my girlfriend and he came on and we were just like, ah, like it was, it was really cool. I mean, I guess this is where we're going now Um, in Hawkeye as well, which is currently airing. We're going to do an episode on Hawkeye next week. They're yes. doing some Daredevil stuff too with Kingpin, which is really cool. And apparently Echo, the show is going to be like a kind of Daredevil season four. I do oh. hope that it's not canon. I hope, I hope the TV show isn't canon to the MCU. I think the actors are great and I'm, I'm happy to see them come back. But honestly, the TV show has such a rich lore and backstory and I don't think the MCU will do it justice in the way that it will recognise it. Especially since it doesn't seem that the writers will come back if they do another Daredevil thing. So mm. yeah, the first half of this film, or maybe just the first act, feels the most like Homecoming and Far From yeah. Home. I mean, that's where you get the most of the stuff that, you know, like the comedy. Yeah, it, it, it was it was dragging on for me for the first act. I was like, okay, that's cool. Matt Murdock, that was the highlight for the first act. I, I, yeah, I think that's for me. Definitely. Just seeing him there, catching a brick. That, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm yeah. a good lawyer and it's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> I wish there was like a Daredevil comic that is really good. I read one. It was volume seven or something. I hear that Man Without Fear is the kind of definitive like, origin story, but there's a specific run by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev, which I think looks really cool. So yeah, oh. there's, I mean, Daredevil is just, again, anybody listening, if you haven't watched the TV show, watch the bloody tv show it's amazing yeah the story doesn't really have any place for matt murdoch but i would have liked to see no. more from him that would have been really yeah. cool but it was cool to get a cameo you know whatever like yeah it leaked did you see the leak it leaked beforehand no i didn't see it yeah there so. was a, there was an image of the four of them around the table so you know it's a bit that's a bit of a shame but whatever Every, everything in this film leaked so you know, like what well, at this point? <laughs> I'm so glad. Like... I'm so glad I didn't see any anything on the internet. I was like, really? You so... must have seen like the video of Andrew, right? Yeah, that was the only one thing right, that I yeah. just saw. That was, I think that was the that was the yeah, big one. Blood. <laughs> Everyone was trying to figure out what he was saying. It was nothing like what people thought. <laughs> it was like pretty <laughs> underwhelming actually. But it was quite fun yeah. to see that moment. Um... Going forward, I hope we don't have as many as, as many leaks. <laughs> So going forward, we get to see Peter and his friends want to go to MIT. This point forward, this actually show the gradual relationship with these two characters, uh, you know, with Ned. Ned, in this one, was better than yeah. in Homecoming, Far From Home. I don't know what happened in them with the whole <laughs> characterization in that. I, it, comedy? No, this worked. I think the thing is, is that like the characters are going through something much more mature. They have their own like dreams about going to MIT and, and that's kind of what's at stake. It's interesting. This is set right after Far From Home, right? In yeah. Far From Home, nobody says a single thing about <laughs> MIT. It comes out of absolutely no. nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they wanted to have something that is more mature, you know, like a right tone for this film. You know, what yes. Peter wanted to do with his friends. So yeah, that worked. So I'm glad they did that. He wanted to get his friends to MIT, so he calls up for a doctor. 
Doctor Strange. So he goes and sees yeah. Doctor Strange. And it's pretty interesting that Doctor Strange doesn't have the Sorcerer Supreme. Well, because he's been blipped out for five years. Wong is now Sorcerer Supreme. So that's going to be interesting for the Madness of Multiverse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I really enjoyed Doctor Strange in this film. Um, yeah. What Doctor Strange is presenting, it shows Peter's goodness. You know, how May encourages him to see the best in everyone. You know, and that is kind yeah. of contrasted with Strange's cynicism. You know, I loved, loved how Strange, you know, is nice to Peter. But then, you know, he basically turns on a dime and he becomes almost like an antagonist through a lot yeah. of it. The mirror dimension sequence where Peter stands up against like an established hero. That was, you know, so cool. It's really refreshing. He has to face the pitfalls of his decision in the end, giving Peter the chance to, you know, either after three films to finally make his own decisions and make his own mistakes as well and have his consequences be defined by real world stakes and not just a slap on a wrist from an Avenger. Yeah, I, I, I really like uh, again what you said about Doctor Strange I thought that he was an interesting character throughout the film setting up this MCU Spider-Man's uh, morals and standing up and finally we have that quote that Aunt May says later on in the film with great power comes with great responsibility it's a bit worded differently but we'll come back yes. to that I, I oh. don't honestly oh. what the hell happened between Far From Home and No Way Home exactly like, exactly like what changed Is it... <laughs> Far From Home these were just a mess of these films I don't know how John Watts was like Hmm. I may have done something wrong. And then he's just like, hey, no way home. Yeah, it's like Aunt May, she's not in Far From Home at all. But in this, no. she's she's perfect. You know, she's exactly what I believe yeah. May should be. You even see this kind of in Homecoming. She's Peter's moral compass. You know, she reminds him of what's important. She helps him along the right path. She emphasizes the good in Peter right up until the very end. Yeah. The great power, great power, there must also come great responsibility. You know that speech, that does a lot for Peter's journey and as a character. And also, this is very interesting. Now we know why Peter doesn't feel responsibility in the other films. Peter never learned that lesson. This is a Peter. Uncle Ben never told him of great power comes great responsibility. This is why he jumps into things head first. This is why he wants to escape this. Oh you know, my God. But now yeah. he has. He carries it through the rest of the film. This changes Homecoming and Far From Home. It doesn't make them like good, but it changes the way that we see Peter's character because this is a Peter Parker who he might have lost Uncle Ben, but Uncle Ben never said to him, with great power comes great responsibility. I think that is so cool. Yeah, that just changes everything. But I mean, not making the films good, but changes Peter as a character, you know, what we're seeing him throughout the films. But yeah, going back to Doctor Strange, he does the spell. There was a strange reference that Doctor Strange said. They filmed The Equalizer in the 80s in this place. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it was a very strange thing. Doctor Strange's characterization, it almost feels like it's different in every single MCU film. In Doctor Strange, he is headstrong and kind of like sarcastic. And then in Ragnarok and in Infinity War and Endgame, he's like a wise kind of magician who is standoffish almost towards the other Avengers, taking the moral high ground, being like, oh, I know more than you. And in this one, he's kind of like nice to Peter until like something goes wrong, in which case he becomes a proper antagonist in, in a way. Yeah, that's interesting to see the characterization. I think it's more about the characterization to other people in this film. I mean, it was more focused on, you know, Peter Parker. Yes. Yeah. I still think the worst part of this film, and it's not always bad, but seven times out of ten, the comedy, so many characters are defined by comedy. The villains are undermined by it, and yes, the film lets emotional moments sit and land without comedy most of the time, but every time it showed up, it kind of was a bit insufferable. There are still characters, like characters from the established trilogy, like from this trilogy, like Happy, apart from two scenes, he is basically just still empty comic relief. 
Betty kind of makes one crappy joke. And in the scene oh. where Peter returns to school, he sees his teachers and they all just make like really horrible jokes. And it was, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it really was pretty. It, it was kind of ruining the tone of the film, I guess. It was going really serious, some of the stuff later on. But it's just like the earlier stuff in the film, I guess, that is just kind of ruining what the film set out to be. I wish there was like more characterization. We did kind of see with that with MJ and with Ned, I guess. These characters, they kind of have to step up emotionally. It's kind of like surprisingly mature. They have their dreams of going to MIT and they have to support Peter. And there's a kind of a bit of a conflict there. But also the fact that they have to support Peter through some really dark times. It's not just through his childlike troubles. They have to actually support him through the loss of Aunt May. Yeah, yeah that's interesting what you said about not having an Uncle Ben telling him that quote. But what happened afterwards? Oh, yeah. So then that's strange. It's like, ah, Peter, you messed up my spell. And he just gets angry. Call me and... sir, god damn it. <laughs> and then he goes and finds the one who gets people to MIT. And then it's Doc Ock. Okay, one thing that I was really, 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 really glad about. The entire film with Dr. Octopus, they didn't really make him as a villain throughout this film. No. Until the end, they didn't really make him as a villain because I thought it was going to ruin his character arc, but, you know, at the end in Spider-Man 2. But no, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I think all, all, the, all the villains in general, they remember the fact that they are just lost and broken individuals. You get that with Norman and the Goblin, and, you know, you get it with, with Electro. And let's just talk about the villains in general for a moment. Yeah, the villains. Wow, he's just... I mean, Goblin, Doc Ock, and Electro were really, really strong. But I'm not going to lie. I kind of think that Lizard and Sandman were just there because they had to be. So here's the kind of problem. They didn't get back Thomas Hayden Church and Reese Fans to play their characters. Oh. I don't know why, but they didn't come back, which is why they're CGI the whole time. Did you notice at the end when they change back into their human forms? It was yeah. just clips from Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even notice that. Once you notice it, once you realise it, for me, it was so noticeable. I was there just like, oh my God, I can't unsee that now. I can't see that now. Yeah, that makes everything a bit weird now because, you know, throughout the film, well, doesn't like Lizard go back to his human forms sometime? But no, he stays as a lizard for a long time. In Amazing Spider-Man, Lizard, his serum runs out. He has to, like, re-inject himself with it. That happens at least twice. But in this, he's just Lizard the whole time. They did such a good job with Electra and Goblin and Ark. Sandman mentions his daughter maybe once. And I feel like they got the essence yeah. of, of Sandman. I think they got that quite well. He's not a bad guy. He just had bad luck. That kind of thing. And I like how he turns on them when Goblin persuades him that they're treating his powers as a curse, not a gift. However, Lizard in particular, they make jokes about him a couple times, but they don't really explore his predicament of wanting to be whole, of being a broken man who uses the lizard to make himself whole. You yeah. know, that was a bit of a shame to me. They didn't really fix about that. No, they didn't really explore about that. Because they did explore the different villains. There's a lot to process with that now. I feel like with these villains, they're meant to be fixed. We know what they're trying to do. The three strongest were like Electro, Doc Ock, and Green Goblin. And it was so cool seeing them together on screen. I have to ask, how full was your cinema? Oh, not full. Because we went at half nine. And oh, we right. heard some people like whisper. And that was it. Oh, oh God. no. That's oh, such God. A sh Honestly, UK cinemas. Like, yeah, sure. They might laugh and gasp sometimes. But people never cheer. But they did for me. And I'm not going to lie. It was great. It really was. Oh, man, I wanted it. It was only twice. It was only when Toby and Andrew showed up. People, oh, no, three times, actually, when Andrew oh. caught MJ. It was quite cool. I'm not going to lie. But, yeah, it wasn't anything near the level of 
of America where everyone's like, ah, but it was like, it was actually quite fun. And so anybody who's oh, going to watch man. it, obviously stay safe with, you know, COVID and such. But yeah. if you happen to be in a crowded cinema, you might get a good experience in England, which those kind of like reactions never really happened. Why did but we, I don't know why we went to a later time. I <laughs> I regret that now. I just want to be with the people just going, yeah, and chill on. Because it's like <laughs> in America, like, you know, when Endgame came out, it was like the NFL, like football, just like, yeah, Captain America, he got it, yeah. People just going crazy. But, oh, man. That that was quite intense in, in America. It's like Captain America would yell Avengers. You go, Avengers, and everyone in turn would go, ah, and you, you couldn't hear him say assemble because he whispers it. And it's like a huge moment. But you can't, like, whenever you look at, like, the, the reaction, oh, it's just, yeah, audiences can be a little I'm, bit I'm going to listen to the live reaction to when Andrew and Toby appear. Oh, my God, yeah. that was so magical. There's one, there's one circulating magical. on Twitter. Uh, I can't wait to talk about that moment. But seeing the three villains on screen was mm. just so cool because with the character yeah. interactions, like, from different universes and the, the character interactions, like, how they held up from the different films and they just had the redeeming qualities at the end. Oh, I just loved it, you know, with the dynamics between them. Especially for Ark and Goblin, the way that we get to see their regular forms like the innocent forms and then the evil forms. I thought that was really cool. That first fight scene with Ark was amazing. He just slams Peter about yeah. Peter, you know, he, Peter has a stake in, you know, in, in saving people throughout. Well, he wasn't quite as good as a Raimi one, but it had that yeah. kind of essence of a really kind of cool yeah, bombastic yeah. fight. The CGI is mostly flawless in this film, but I think in the end it was kind of like noticeable and, and, and distracting. The final battle, yeah. I felt a lot of the time I was like noticing the CGI with the lizard and Sandman, I noticed CGI at the end. And I would have liked more practical fights with Toby and Andrew, because can I just say, the best action scene by far was with Tom's Peter and Goblin. And Tom just gets thrown oh. about by Goblin. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I love I love getting yeah. superheroes get beaten up by the villains. And just like, Goblin was thrown in through walls and they were going through ceilings and floors. It was so good. That one just felt like a proper, you know, Spider-Man action in the MCU. Like, how Goblin, he was like the most terrifying in this uh, whole action scene. You know, he was laughing while getting punched. Willem Dafoe just killed it. And I kind of remember the soundtrack in that scene that was really intense for, you know, the Green Goblin just throwing Peter around in, in this apartment. And I forgot how strong Green Goblin was. That was the most surprising. I was like, oh yeah, he's really strong. And that was a really good twist that some of the Green Goblin is still inside of Norman. And it was, it was really cool. You have that reference like Darker Ark and Green Goblin knowing each other even though they died. That's a really interesting thing to see because they're different villains in, in their different films. And we don't see that in the different films but we did see this in there it's a fanboy's dream but i think what they do so well is that they make it serve the characters and they make it serve the plot well enough that it doesn't just feel like mindless fan service i feel like marvel's always pretty good at that weaving it yeah. all together so it's not just rise of skywalker or something like that and i mean honestly the scene where peter realizes that norman is actually the goblin and you get the dolly zoom and oh. the spider sense that yes. was amazing it was rainy level it was so good oh, i wonder who 
did Raimi work in this? No, I believe apparently Sam Raimi and Mark Webb were consulted about using their characters, but they weren't working on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what's really good about this is that basically we barely get anything from the characters from the other two films. I mean, like you think about Flash, he was so, so bad. They didn't even attempt to explore his guilt over bullying the man who he saw as an icon. He's just more stupid comic relief. But it's good because after about halfway through, we don't see him or any of the other characters apart from Peter, Happy, Ned, MJ and May. We don't see them again, which I think was really great. Yeah, after that whole fight sequence, that was brutal. Going through the floors and throwing him around. And then we've got the scene... Ah, uh, this one was just like a proper scene for in the Spider-Man films, seeing Spider-Man's family member dying, seeing that growth for the character. And it yeah. was really sad. This film made me care about Peter's relationship with May and MJ and Ned yeah. in ways that the other films didn't. Seeing them go through and react to real adult relatable things, particularly yeah. with getting rejected from a school that you really want to go to or having to kind of choose sides. Obviously, it's, it's, it, it's kind of broad because it's not like I can relate to multiversal villains coming to kill me but there were so many things and, and I think grieving a lost loved one is something that everyone can, can relate to in some aspect and it, it was amazing you know goblin through that bomb and when May was alive I was kind of like oh god damn it I wanted her to die and the way Peter thinks everything's okay and then she falls and he's screaming out for an ambulance and he's uh. saying like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay it was so good and I think that the film used this amazingly because then we get such a good sequence of of Peter sitting in the rain as J. Jonah Jameson tells the world how much of a menace Spider-Man is and how he doesn't care about collateral damage and therefore May is dead and Peter is just broken because of it. Yeah, and, and that rain. Oh uh, yeah, that was great seeing that. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt this is the best looking MCU Spider-Man film. The cinematography was so much better than Far From Home and Homecoming. Yeah, they were a bit all over the place. And then... <sighs> This one was just one of my favorite scenes. When Toby and Andrew Garfield appeared, I was not staying still in my seat. I was just like, oh my God, oh, oh, oh my God. You know, Doctor Who, Dave the Doctor, that was like that level, seeing Matt Smith's Doctor and David Tennant's Doctor. Yeah, and they came out of portals as well. It was actually quite similar to Dave the Doctor. What I didn't like, before we start to talk about like the really cool stuff, what I really didn't like was even though... Ned is better in this film than the other two films. He, he he barely has any depth and they kind of have this subplot where Ned has like wizard abilities. It has like small like plot relevance, but it doesn't really do anything for his character and he's just still comic relief and it's still boring. And the only times that I really, really like Ned was when he has to step up and comfort Peter in a way that he never has before. He has to face the fact that because of his connection to this guy, he can't achieve his dream of going to MIT. Yeah, that was a bit frustrating because I thought, how is he using the ring? I don't know, was that pushing the story? I guess. But anyway, can we get into the cool stuff? Get into the cool stuff. Let's do it. Oh, right, okay. Oh my God. Seeing Andrew Garfield coming back in his own suit and my heart was like something. I was like, oh my God, this is just amazing. And then Tony McGuire came and ah, I, I just don't have any words to explain it. It's just so magical seeing him back. 
it was it was really cool to see what we got we got some really nice banter between everyone i thought that was quite cool they definitely went overboard with the comedy at times it felt like andrew was kind of like the bumbling comedic side character but what was important to me was that andrew and toby were having fun with it andrew didn't seem like he was broken by studio mandates he was having fun with the series that he generally likes and a character that he generally loves but what was the best part about it for me i think it was a weird choice to have them arrive with ned and mj i understand why they did it but for me that wasn't the real scene where i was like oh my god they're back the moment for me was when they met tom's peter and they have a conversation about the people that they've lost and Uh. seeing andrew tears in his eyes as he talks about gwen the pain in his voice the depression that he never truly got over it was amazing it was so crushing it it was like the scene in spider-verse where they talk about that but not quite as good (laughs) but it it still (laughs) was amazing and i loved it so much i was really happy that they did they went for that especially as well because we got the scene that me and a lot of other people really wanted tom says with great power and toby finishes it and he says comes great responsibility and tom's like how would you know that and it was it was just a amazing moment they utilize the fact that they've ignored uncle ben for five movies amazingly they utilized it so well by giving aunt may that role which i think was so intelligent and having them bond over that it was great it really was having them bring peter back and reminding him the solution isn't just to let them die we can genuinely do something good here and i yeah i loved it yeah i loved it their chemistry between Toby, Andrew, and Tom, which is so good. I can tell they just had so much fun filming it. And that scene was just really emotional. You know, I just got chills just watching them just talk about Uncle Ben and with great power comes with great responsibility. Yeah, that was great. I did lose my mind over that scene when they got in the portal. I thought, like, oh, that's that was mind-blowing. But that one, that was just like the most emotional. With the anime dying, I think that was pretty emotional. But there's like seeing all the sweet Spider-Man talking about it. So. Yeah, seeing them in particular was the the real appeal of that scene getting to see these characters back on the big screen some of my favorite moments were andrew's conversation with max and toby's conversation with otto it brought tears to my eyes Toby stops and is like, Otto, and Otto's like, Peter, my boy, you're all grown up. How are you? And Toby's like, trying to do better. They really captured the essence of the characters. And I was a bit sick of how much comedy they went for. And it annoys me that this, at this point, the MCU still won't let some emotional moments just kind of sit. But there were still great moments. Andrew says to Max, hey, you know, all I ever wanted to do was to help you. And Max understands. And he's like, yeah, you're a kid from Queens wanting to help people. I always thought you were black. And, and, and Andrew's like, oh. Sorry to disappoint that they have like a mutual respect. Another thing that was sorely missing from Amazing Spider-Man 2. This just fully redeems the character, Um, especially when saving MJ. Uh, Like that face when he fully realizes that he saved MJ. And they play the James Horner Amazing Spider-Man theme as he looks in her eyes. And that was amazing. And the chemistry when they were waiting for the villains, talking about web blood, that was just like really cool seeing the chemistry. And then Toby's like, you're amazing. That was cute. But I think my problem with that was the fact that it was very much like the writers were like, hey, this is the Spider-Man that everyone doesn't like. Don't worry, you're actually amazing. And Andrew was kind of like, oh, thanks, I'm amazing. Instead of having him stand on the similar ground. I don't know, that meta textuality, if that makes sense, that they were kind of going for. I wasn't a huge fan yeah. of it, but I'll tell you what I did love. When they were like, so, um, what, what, uh, what villains have you fought? And Toby's like, oh, I fought an alien. And, and Tom's like, oh, I fought, also fought an alien. And Andrew's like, oh, <laughs> what? I, I fought a Russian in a rhino suit. And I was like, yeah, that is 
Comedy gold right there. It really benefits to have watched everything. If you just watch the Tom Holland films, you miss out. That chemistry was just great seeing that, exchanging conversations. But the one thing that really got me excited was when they had this plan and they were ready to fight and then they, they were whooping as they sling, like going through yeah. and they were working yeah. together. That was just... Yeah. Ah, them, so them, all sw- them all swinging together and landing on top of the Statue of Liberty was a really cathartic moment. I wish, I really wish that we'd got more of their theme songs. We never got oh, Toby's yeah. Danny Elfman theme song like properly building up until like a huge moment. I was really expecting that or hoping for it. The music in general was really good because Michael Giacchino incorporated moments of the Doc Ox theme plays. We get a little bit of Electro's theme and a bit of the Goblin's theme and very well done, masterfully. But yeah, I would have liked a bit more. Honestly, I complain about some fan service. Then other times I'm like, no, give me more fan service, God damn it. We talked about Ghostbusters recently. That was a month ago. That's so weird. That was a month. That was a month ago, yeah. The Ghostbusters fan service, it felt so forced, but here it felt really organic. But the stuff that I liked the most was like Tom versus Goblin. First of all, I love that they took off Goblin's helmet because you you just get to see Willem Dafoe crazy and Tom was absolutely beating on him and he was about to kill him with his glider just like Goblin, just like Harry. And Toby stops him. I kind of wish that Tom had just realized not to do it himself instead of having somebody step in for him again. And then like Toby gets stabbed. But what I appreciated was that at the end of the day, Tom did drop the glider himself and opt to cure Norman instead of just killing him or, you know, attacking. Yeah, that fight sequence was pretty cool. But helping Tom Holland Spider-Man not to fall into the path of killing people, that reinforced the whole trilogy, like trying to save other people. And he, it goes back to the first Spider-Man. Green Goblin tried to kill Spider-Man, but he killed himself with that glider. And he really wanted to give himself a second chance and film uh, message was giving out people second chances and yeah fixing yes. people as well and redeeming qualities and Tom Holland's finally realizing what they were doing and it was pretty well emotional but thought about the character's journey so far and Aunt May being killed by Green Goblin but uh, after when Doctor Strange casts a spell, he hugs the other Spider-Men. Thank oh, you. Yes. Andrew says, I've always wanted a brother. It was really uh, cathartic. There were moments when I didn't like, again, the comedy I didn't like, not with the villains, not with the heroes, but at the end of the day, my God, it was so good to see them back on the screen. And what does it matter if I didn't like it? Loads of people love it. And it was like a moment for the fans. And it was actually a, a really solid Spider-Man film for the first time since 2012 in my opinion i'm really 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 happy that it was even there and can we talk about the ending john can we talk about the final 15 minutes cinema absolute cinema of the highest order peter makes the decision he makes the big decision the right decision to let everybody forget about Spider-Man. Not just forget about Spider-Man, but forget about Peter Parker. And what we get in this final sequence, maybe some of the best Spider-Man ever. You see him have to grapple with this human decision. He hugs Ned, he hugs and kisses MJ, and he promises, I'm going to come back and find you. Seeing the pain as they have to say goodbye to each other was amazing, but nothing compared to the pain of him them going back. He was ready. He was ready to tell Ned and MJ who he was and get them back in his life. But no, he makes the decision. Seeing that bittersweet smile on Peter's face, he sees Ned and NJ happy. They get to go to the MIT and he makes that decision not to tell them. And it was, it was perfect. It really was. Yeah. 
I love that. And that really helps for the ending of the film, understanding Tom Holland's character throughout the film. And this is a good origin trilogy. If it was just Homecoming and No Way Home, it would be a lot more solid. <laughs> but Far From Home is yeah. there to ruin my life. But No Way Home, that set up the perfect Tom Holland Spider-Man. You know, who he is in his journey. Like, the past two, didn't know what was going on. But you didn't have that quote with great power cons, with great responsibility. Those weren't fully embedded in those films but this did and he took a lot of sacrifices and he realized that he now has to do everything on his own and especially that he doesn't have any stark tech anymore it just goes to show how much more impactful emotional moments are even seeing peter put the lego figure the emperor palpatine lego figure on his desk that was so sweet i didn't even care about that in homecoming but now it makes you realize how treasured those small moments are peter at may's grave I almost like whooped in the cinema when I saw him at the maze grave, happy in a non-comedic fashion. Another brilliant bookend, the two of them grieving over the loss of an important person in their life. Happy doesn't even know who Peter is, and then that was Spider-Man right there. And oh my God, I just have to say it, man. The final thing we see made me so, so happy. Peter uh. Parker in a crappy New York apartment with a homemade suit with a final swing through the city in winter. Cinema. cinema absolute <laughs> cinema i'm so happy uh, before this film i would have been happy to leave tom holland and just get spider-man 4 with Raimi and amazing spider-man 3 but now honestly if i were to just get more holland content to get another holland trilogy from where we left off i'd be happy the film really wrapped up the story of Andrew and Toby really well to the point where I want to see what happens next with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I'm really excited. It was one of the best endings we've ever gotten in a Spider-Man film. And I really, really mean that. Yeah, that's just so good. I'm so glad they thought about forgetting about Peter Parker and then fully having this full transformation of Spider-Man. So it's just amazing like what they've done. Let's talk post credit scenes. Oh, yeah. First thing I want to say, I don't know if you saw this, but they credited Avi Arad in the credits. They said something like, thank you to Avi Arad, the pioneer of Spider-Man on cinema. And I have to say, for those of you who don't know who Avi Arad is, he is the man who ruined Spider-Man 3. He forced Venom in there. He made Sam Raimi change his vision so much. He also cancelled Spider-Man 4. He also made the mandate for Amazing Spider-Man to not be like what Mark Webb wanted it to be. He had the mandate for all the spin-offs. He's the guy who mandated Venom. Why are they thanking him? I don't know. Why? They thanked him. Why? Here's a fun fact for you. He's literally a toys salesman. He sells toys. That is his thing. That's what he does. Why? Like, they thanked him? Yeah, I, I don't know. Why? I think he put that in there. I'm pretty convinced that he was the one who put that in there. No, like, no. I don't no, know. He paid top money to be <laughs> Definitely. He was like, I'm going to give this film $1 billion budget if you can thank me in the credits. That is My God. So yeah. Let's talk about Venom. 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 Venom was so, there for like two seconds. Two seconds. We did say that it was going to be No Way Home, uh, I guess. So basically, it was just a conversation about what the MCU is. Iron Man, Hulk. The blip. It's the actor from Ted Lasso who plays Danny Rojas as the <laughs> bartender. And I was like, oh, Ted Lasso. Yeah. What a, what a show. Yeah. And then they go back to the universe. But a small piece of Venom DNA is still in this universe. 
I mean, I guess we're going to be doing another black suit story. I guess that's going to be interesting to explore the anger that Peter has after what happened in No Way Home. That will be really interesting. But here's my question. Two things. Number one, Andy Serkis confirmed that Venom and Spider-Man are going to meet. Does that mean it's going to be with Andrew or Toby's Spider-Man? Or perhaps another Spider-Man in general? Like, who's it going to be? My second thing. What the hell, Morbius? <laughs> What's happening? Why is Vulture here? Oh, uh... Are you in the MCU or not? I was so sure they were going to combine all three universes and Vulture was going to be like that but what's going on? Is um, Morbius in the MCU? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> doesn't make any sense man. I'm not going to answer any of them because I don't know. The second yeah. post credit scene though. We have the official trailer for Multiverse of Madness. I said it right Tom. I said it right. You did it. Woo. Yeah. We only took a year to get there guys. And we've got a sneak peek of what the film is about. It looks crazy. Evil Doctor Strange from What Evil. If. It probably is but who knows. If but it you... is then that's cool because that's the first animation they link to the MCU. There's a rumour that Captain Carter's going to be in it as well. Oh yeah. You know what's most exciting to me about this post credit scene though? Westview? One division? Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you know what's most exciting? What? He's back, John. He's back. Sam Raimi's back. He's back. Yes! And honestly, No Way Home looked good, right? Visually, it was quite cool. Yeah, visually cool. Multiverse of Madness looks insane. It looks incredible. Sam Raimi is like, here and he is back, baby. The colours and the visuals. I was just sitting there like, oh my God, I am here for this. Sam yeah. the man Raimi. Yeah, the visual is just amazing. Like when Strange is like in New York and the buildings are just completely destroyed, but like in the air and scattered. Yeah. When he meets Wanda in the garden with all the blossom trees, like, yeah. what is this? I thought this was supposed to be an MCU movie. Where's the grayness, huh? This is so completely different from what we see in the MCU. It is a shame that Scott Derrickson isn't doing it. However, bloody Sam Raimi is a perfect choice. He is. He's going to do crazy in, in this film. Hopefully the rumours aren't true. The rumours are that Marvel have ordered six weeks of reshoots to add loads of cameos and make it all fan servicey and change Sam Raimi's original vision, like Spider-Man 3. It's happened before. Don't remind me, Tom, about it just to sleep. That. I'm sorry. I paid money it's... to see that on the big screen. I tell you what, it's so <laughs> weird that the Snyder Cut came out this year. That is so weird to me. That just felt like years ago, but... I know. We have had a lot of comic book films this year. Five? Uh, six. Six. Wow. Six a lot. That's in, that's yeah. incredible. Maybe seven if you want to count Wonder Woman 84. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I've got... My final thing that I want to say is I've got some questions for you, John. So episode four of the podcast, I believe it was episode four, we did an episode called Could a Live Action Spider-Verse Film Work? Do you remember that? Yes. What did we say? Well, you said a lot of things. I've got some things that we said and let's see if we were right, shall we? So first thing we said was <laughs> a live action Spider-Verse film is very difficult in live action because you can't translate the wacky visuals, you know, when not in animated form. And I think in this case, it doesn't matter because they weren't going yeah. full Spider-Verse. It was more about yeah. Andrew and Toby. Yeah, that was totally different back, was it a year ago? It was about September last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a bit hazing on that because of Flashpoint, but now after seeing this. Oh, yeah. Flashpoint has got a tricky job. If yeah. they're going to kind of try and top Marvel's multiverse, DC are going to have a difficult job. Uh, and I hope they do yeah, it well. They... Why would I want it to be bad? I hope it's good, obviously. I hope it's good. But I was like, oh no, what are they going to do? Are they going to steal the DC stuff? 
I remember last year we got mad. I don't know why we got mad about this. That Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in this film. I think we were just mad that Marvel were doing the multiverse and that everybody's going to say that DC are copying them. I understand that, but at the same time, they did it well. I'll yeah. take it. Well, Our second well, thing was that each Spider-Man has to be developed separately, which is tricky because of the expectations and the weight of the characters who have previously known. And I have to say... They were. They picked up, the third thing here is, does it explore, continue and develop where we last left Toby and Andrew? I think it really does, yeah. Oh, I said, Andrew is still grieving over Gwen. Toby is still trying to do better. And he mentions how him and MJ have finally worked things out. I think it was really good. That's crazy how we thought about this a year ago. That's just weird. A fourth question. Can they honour villains who have died without stretching it too much? Yeah, they did the villains great. I was a bit disappointed by Sam and Lizard. Yeah. But the main three were really, really strong. Yeah, they did just great. They just did an excellent job in those three. Question five. Can Watts translate the directing style of Webb and Raimi? I think he doesn't translate it. He uses it in a cool way. Like I was saying, in the scene in the apartment, with the spider sense and they use the dolly zoom that was so good that was just so good what they were trying to do there bringing out Tom Holland's spidey sense and fully realising who Green Goblin is but it didn't need translating it just works perfectly for the stone of the film 100% will Spider-Man being a murderer be thoroughly explored I think it was explored but it wasn't explored loads because they kind of did away with it quite early on in the film they did with Mysterio I guess Mysterio's still alive I really thought that he would be the final member of Sinister Six but I guess they didn't even do Sinister Six they're still gonna wait until they do that the Furious Five there we go the Furious Five <laughs> but you mean Fast Five John <gasps> family Fantastic Five <laughs> <laughs> it's the Fantastic Four knockoff that we all needed. Yes, that's what we need. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Willem Dafoe said, I'm a scientist myself in yes, the film. you know, I'm yeah. something of a scientist. Yeah, there, there were quite a few memes, and I thought that was quite fun. Oh, yeah, yeah you know what, though? Dafoe. John Watts is yeah. going to be directing Fantastic Four for the MCU. I think that oh. now that I've seen No Way Home, I think he could generally do a good job. Hopefully, they do Hopefully. it right this time, because the last one was horrible. The one before that was fine. And yes, we will be talking about them on the podcast before the new one comes out. Yes, we will, John. Okay. We're watching Fantastic. It's going to happen. Our next question is, are they trying to top themselves, capitalizing on a multiverse and telling a bigger and grander story? Or do they tell a good story focused on the logical next step for the characters? I think they actually did a character story and it wasn't all about yeah. the big multiverse stuff. I agree on that. They continue where the characters left off from the earlier films and how it's going to develop with Tom Holland's Peter Parker in the story. So that worked so well. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Does the film finally move away from Iron Man's legacy and let Peter stand on his own. Yes, it does. Yes, finally. it does. It does. Yes. Finally. No <laughs> he actually learned help. a lesson in Far From Home and that lesson is carried through. Iron Man might be mentioned twice. Brilliant. I'm so happy. I'm so glad that he got rid of Iron Man's spotlight for now. If you want to continue the MCU, you've got to let the new hero stand on their own. It, it has to happen, yeah. you know? Next question. Do we get anything about Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility? Yes, we do. Yes, yes we did. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah. Next question. Does Holland <laughs> learn anything from Maguire or Garfield? Yeah, I think yes. he does. I think, you know, yeah. he, he learns being Spider-Man means that you can make mistakes and you do lose people at times. It's very similar to what Miles learns in Spider-Verse. Does um, it feel overstuffed? I would say no. I was so worried about the balance of this film, but no, the villains, the heroes, but it's just the first act, the two other acts in the film. Mm, so good. And our final question Character should come first over fan service. Does it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Thank God. I'm happy. <laughs> Let's round it off. What are you giving it out of 10, John? Nine. Nine out of Woo! 10. 
Nine out of ten. I'm gonna go seven. I'm happier than I ever thought I could be. And I hope oh. that the more I watch it in the future, the better it gets. So yeah, thanks everyone for for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, give it a like and subscribe. If you want to hear more from us, there's a lot more <laughs> Spider-Man content that we've done. We've talked about every single film at this point, apart from Spider-Verse. We, we've even talked about the two Venom films. So, you know, you can look back Venom. and, and see all the stuff that we've done. And next week, we're going to be doing Hawkeye. Uh, so we're, we're not done with Marvel yet. Make sure that you are wearing masks. Uh, yeah. It's really important yeah. right now. Really, Omnicrom's, really Omnicrom's ramping up, guys. So, you know. Yeah, Omicron, don't get it. Stay man. Without further ado, take it away. Ah, uh, take what you're giving. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.